Hi everyone, welcome to the Ask Dr. Renee show. I'm Dr. Renee and tonight my guest is Shanti Das. For more than 20 years, Shanti Das has been a staple, a familiar face, a recognizable name, a landmark in the music industry. But it didn't happen overnight. Since graduating from Syracuse University in 93, Shanti has worked tirelessly to learn the ins and outs of the music game and to make her mark on the industry, starting with her stint as a promotions assistant for Capitol Records and making a major leap into the role of National Promotions Director for LaFace Records, followed by posts as Senior Director of Urban Marketing at Arista, VP Senior VP at Columbia, Columbia Records Sony Music, and Executive Vice President of Marketing at Universal Motown. From those early days to now, this soft-spoken giant has broken many an artist, blazed many a trail, and paved many a road for fellow and future music executives. Her moniker, the hip-hop professional, only partially defines her career, one characterized by a wealth of expertise in an array of music genres, including hip-hop, R&B, and pop. With experience called from years of working with the likes of OutKast, Usher, TLC, and countless others, Shanti has devoted her life to sharing what she's learned and applying her skills in multiple ways, from her critically acclaimed book, The Hip-Hop Professional 2.0, to her college tour, The College Chat Room, to the highly successful ATL Live on the Park through her company Press Reset Entertainment. Shanti has become a household name to a whole new generation of artists, admirers, and aspiring music execs. And although she still gets to flex her marketing muscle by consulting clients and staging live events, Shanti is most pride of, proud of her current work as a mentor and role model for those with dreams of succeeding in their respective careers, especially college students. The 5 for 5 student spotlight is displayed prominently on her website, thehiphopprofessional.com, and she has established scholarships and other means of financial assistance for students in need. She's also begun a, begun a series of Google mentoring chats and lunches where she dispenses invaluable advice to those who participate. Professing a deep love for business as well as hip-hop music and culture, Shanti says her goal is to ignite that same kind of passion in those that she mentors. She notes, my mission is to become a global thought leader inspiring the professional development of young adults. Welcome, Shanti. Hi. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, let's get started right away. Start a little bit late today. So what drew you to become a marketing executive in the music industry? You hear of a lot of jobs in the music industry, but that's just not one that you often hear of. Well, you know, I got my start, as you mentioned, uh, you know, back at LaFace Records, and my first job was a promotions director, <clears throat> excuse me, and I really didn't know what that was. <laughs> I didn't know what that <laughs> meant. I just knew that I loved music. And while I was at Syracuse, um, I got involved in the radio station. I was promotions director. I was an on-air talent. Um, my major was actually television, radio, and film, so I thought I either wanted to go in and be a radio announcer, you know, I love sports, you know, maybe sports broadcasting or something, and then I just caught the music industry bug. Um, being from Atlanta, Georgia, you know, the music industry was really bubbling in the late 80s and early 90s. So for me, it was like a kid in a candy store, you know, being able to make <laughs> these contacts. You know, there were conventions in Atlanta, um, the Million Dollar Record Pool, uh, Jack the Rapper, which was probably one of the most prominent uh, music industry conventions that there was uh, in our time. And so, you know, I got a chance to network and, and meet a lot of people early on. Uh, I met Jermaine Dupree while I was in high school, and uh, his dad, Michael Malden, actually snuck us into our first <laughs> Jack the Rapper. And so kind of the rest was history once I started making those contacts. So while at LaFace, you know, I hit the ground running with all these artists, um, Usher, as you mentioned, Outkast, TLC, Tony Braxton, and I did what's called promotions at the time. And 
you know, I could be on tour with them and I would set up meet and greets for contest winners and program directors and that sort of thing, putting together any kind of promotional strategies, promotional tools, which we don't see a lot of nowadays, you know, flyers, posters, t-shirts, all kind of really cool and neat tchotchkes um, because the sky was the limit when it came to really trying to promote your artists and, and, and figure out what type of merchandise you had. So after I did promotions for about three and a half years, um, I talked to two people within the company, uh, Devette Singletary, may she rest in peace, which was our head of artist development, and Lisa Cambridge, who's actually now head of marketing at RCA Records. And you know, we kind of agreed that I had kind of reached that glass ceiling at LaFace on the promotional side, and so they convinced me to start doing marketing. And marketing and promotions, you know, it went hand in hand. You know, I look at marketing as, you know, any way that you can respectably <laughs> market and promote your artists um, and really get their material and their brand out to the masses. And so, you know, after I said yes and started doing marketing, I think it was late 90, like 1996 or early 97, and I never looked back. And wow. I had the great fortune of having an you know upward trajectory in the entertainment business because I went from you know just a product manager at LaFace to when we they sold the company I became senior director of marketing at Arista then moved over to VP of marketing at Columbia got two promotions there and then ended up as executive vice president of marketing under Sylvia Roan at Motown. So that was that. Yeah. Back in the way days. Yes. <laughs> now I, um, I think I told you when I first met you. I did not know you when you were, you know, at the labels in New York. <laughs> I know you basically because after the fact. But I yes. knew of you because I had friends that were at Howard University that were marketing students, and they were like, "Oh my God, Shanti Dots is, you know, she's this, she's this young, and wow. she's doing this." And I was like. Okay, and I had no idea who it was. I was like, okay, great. And then I think one day, you know, Amara mentioned your name, and I was like, I think that's that same girl that my sister <laughs> was talking about. You know her? And so when he sent me um, the hip hop professional, I was so surprised. It was my birthday present, and I read the what you wrote. And so I was like, oh my goodness. And I sat and read the whole book in one day. I was like, oh, this is so awesome. Thank so, you. Um, but I, um, I wanted to know. Now, because we we know that this is a very very male driven industry, what motivated you to keep going? Because it can be very difficult when you're surrounded by all men that don't understand and you know not giving you the respect that you deserve. It can. Um, for me, though, um, I had the good fortune of having a lot of male mentors, and so I was you know blessed in that regard. Um, you know, there were times where I experienced some. I guess, you know, uh, interesting situations um, with some of my male counterparts, but I just kind of nipped those in the bud and, and moved on. I was very much uh, passionate about what I did, uh, motivated to work with all, with all the artists, and, you know, a lot of the guys that I worked with were kind of like my big brothers in the industry. So um, I had a lot of people looking out for me, whether it was, you know, Jay Brown, who's now president of Rock Nation. Um, yeah, gosh. Um, Shaquem from Flavor Unit, uh, Mark Pitts, um, who is now president of Black Music, uh, I think at RCA. I mean, I had good guys like that on my team, you know, Blue Williams who managed Outcast. I could go on and on. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, they, again, they always looked out for me. They made sure that, you know, the doors that I needed open were there. They gave me great advice. Um, they always, you know, told me to make sure I respected myself in this game and so I took those words to heart 
that's why I'm so hard and kind of unforgiving <laughs> for some of our young girls because you know this can be a tough industry and yes you should have fun turn up have a good time but still understand that it's a business and I don't care whether you work in the entertainment industry you want to become a lawyer or a doctor or you know television personality you still gotta respect yourself ladies um, first and foremost and so you know I just didn't let any of the negativity drive me and I tried to use all of that as like inspiration for me to want to do better and and do more and just set an example for other women out there great um, and actually we just got a question we're gonna take questions at the, after I get done but I want to make sure that I let everyone know if you want to ask questions you need to make sure you're logged in with your Gmail account and on Google Plus watching our broadcast and you'll see some squares in the top right hand corner click there it'll say Q&A and then right at the bottom will be a button ask a question you can ask us anything so what propelled you to write your first book so you left the game and you write this fabulous book all about it well uh, I began um, speaking at you know colleges like on panels and so forth and I really actually um, I have to stop saying actually. It's a new year. I said I wasn't going to say actually again in my interview. So I started speaking at colleges and doing a lot of panels. And I was at my friend's house one night before I was headed to do a panel at Princeton University. And her name is Dr. Cherry Collier, another fabulous woman. Um, and she suggested that I write my own book because I was doing so much speaking. And she said, you know, you really should document all of your work and it'll be a great platform for you to get other speaking opportunities and gigs. And I was like, ah, yeah, I can't write a book. She was like, yes, you can. So I sat down and started outlining the entire book. And I had like half of it written before I went to Princeton and kind of the rest was history. And, you know, I put the book out in 2010 and it was actually a little bit lighter. It was a different color. The co you know, the cover was nice but kind of bland. And so last year, I did a lot of soul searching in 2013 leading into 2014, and I just felt like I hadn't really reached my potential with that book. And I decided to add seven new chapters just to kind of give people a, a glimpse into my life to see what had happened since I had left Motown and now I'm this entrepreneur back in Atlanta. I'm like, ah, what does the word entrepreneur even mean? I didn't understand it at first. And so, you know, I had uh, achieved a lot. I had done a lot on the charity front, which you know, I really take pride in all the charity work that I'm able to do now. And I just wanted to re-release it. So I totally rebranded it and made it smaller and, you know, changed the color. Now, you know, here's the new book. And so it's small and cute and compact and, you know, ladies can just drop it right in their purse or refer back to it and I've actually had a lot of men that have read the book and uh, you know hopefully received a lot from it they told me they enjoyed it so yeah you know the rest is kinda history and I'm still promoting it that's the one cool thing <clears throat> excuse me when you're self-published because you know a lot of big publishing companies you know after that first year it's almost like the record you know after you put out a couple singles and tour the market it's old news well this is still good news to me. It's still a lot that people can learn. Uh, a lot of books, I think, left to be sold. So I am actively still promoting the Hip Hop Professional 2.0. And it's a great book. I have all of Shanti's books. She has three. We'll talk about the third one in a minute. But um, it's a great book. I read that one, too, in, I think, a day as well. And then I was in the Atlanta airport and was so excited to see it <laughs> <laughs> on the shelves. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. 
But um, Shanti, can you tell people why you left the, basically the game, why you left New York and moved back to Atlanta? So I left primarily because of personal reasons. I had experienced some health issues. My mother um, had dementia, which is now Alzheimer's. That was a big part of it. Um, it was just a lot going on. I had lost a family member who was very close to me. And I really felt like I was at a point in my life where I just had to take a hard look at it. Yes, I was wildly successful in my career, but my life was lacking in other areas. I felt like I was missing out on, like, you know, special occasions and, you know, some of the bigger events that my nieces and nephews were doing and, and really being able to assist my sister who was like the primary caretaker for my mother and I just didn't feel like it was fair. So I made a hard decision to walk away. And when you say, you know, walk away from the game, yeah, in a sense of leaving the record company, but I still have my hands oh, and yeah. things on the music side. But I'm definitely not as, you know, on point with everything as I used to be in terms of just keeping up with all the latest music. I try to do the best I can and I'm probably going to get back and do some more music stuff this year but I needed to just kind of step away and breathe because um, you know when I say I worked for almost like 18, 19 years of living out of a suitcase on the road you know spending most of my time with my coworkers and, and just you know touring and that sort of thing but it was great you know I don't have any regrets I loved it hashtag no regrets but I just was at a point in my life where there was other things that matter and I just took a huge leap of faith and just decided to step out on my own and hence I press reset and that's why I call my company press reset entertainment yes I have several friends that have done this whole press reset rebranding um, so what did you I mean when you got back to Atlanta you just I mean it's in the book too that you reached out to your contact, and then you started ATL Live in the Park, which is how many years have you had ATL Live in the we Park? We are going? going into our sixth season come April, which I can't believe it's awesome. been so long. Well, I, I had an event in New York that I did. I had two partners in New York City, and it was R&B Live. R&B Live, you know, was first born in the 90s. Um, Ramon Hervey and a lot of folks did it in California, and it was great, uh, very successful. And we just felt like there was uh, a void in the marketplace in New York City for particularly R&B artists to showcase their talents, whether they were emerging artists or established. And so we started it, and we did it at a venue called Spotlight Live in Midtown Manhattan, and it took off like crazy, and it was the hottest event in New York for three years. So I really hated to leave that behind me. And when I moved to, back to Atlanta, I realized it was that same kind of void here. And a good friend of mine, Marlon Nichols, who's now my business partner, uh, with ATL Live on the part, we kind of sat down and talked about it, found a great venue, and you know the rest is history with that. We've had everyone from R. Kelly, we had Miguel before he blew up, uh, Joe, Teddy Riley and Blackstreet, Kelly Price. Um, we've had some amazing talent come through there, and we're excited about the new season as well. That's awesome. So, um, and then. If that was, you know, she does all these amazing things. So I remember when I first met you, the first thing I could remember was I had read the article about you burying the people in Detroit. And I was like, she's not even from Detroit, and she did this? <laughs> and that was one of the things my two my friends that were marketing majors were like, Renee, this girl, you know, one of them's a Detroiter, and she was like, look what she did. And I'm like, well, what's her tie to Detroit? But I thought that was so cool. So if you could talk about 
all the philanthropic stuff and charity stuff you do because you do a lot. Sure. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. uh, I really appreciate that. So it was right around the time I was pressing reset and uh, about to move back home and I was sitting in my office and I ran across an article on CNNMoney.com and it talked about how the city of Detroit was broke and they had lost their funding on the city and state level for the morgue. I know it's kind of morbid, but you know I saw this article and it, they had pictures showing where there were these you know deceased individuals and their family members couldn't afford to bury them. And I have a couple of cousins on the outskirts of Detroit, but no real connection to that city. But it was just one of those like heart wrenching stories, and I felt like I had to do something. You know, it was it was all God. You know, honestly, now I look back, I know it was just God telling me like, you've got to use your voice and power in the entertainment for good, in the entertainment industry rather for good. So I sat down that night, same night, stayed at the office for like an extra three hours. And I remember talking to one of my good friends, April Nichols, and I was like, oh, my God, I came up with the name for the initiative. It's going to be called May We Rest in Peace. So I wrote this long, heartfelt letter to the entertainment industry and, you know, sent it off to hundreds of my friends. The next day, I opened up a P.O. box at the UPS store. And in, like, a couple weeks, I had raised, like, $6,000, and I was able to bury six people. Well, I was like, okay, I can't stop there. I want to do a little bit more. And um, again, kept pushing the initiative. CNN came back and did a pickup story on me. And I sent the letter to uh, the product manager of Kid Rock at Atlantic Records. So I thought they would just put me in touch with their manager. My phone rings one day, my cell phone. And, and I'm like, hello. He's like, hi, Kid Rock here. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> so Kid Rock, you know, made a you know nice substantial donation. and. I got Busta Rhymes on board and some other people. And so I was able to raise $30,000, and we buried 30 people, uh, which is amazing. That's awesome. And uh, so when I moved back to Atlanta, I was like, well, I can't stop now. You know, so when I moved back home, literally maybe a month or two later, I did a cocktail reception, and it was right after the earthquake in Haiti. And so rather than just have just a regular Welcome to Atlanta party, it was a cocktail reception to benefit Haiti. And so that night we raised $5,000, and I was able to buy $5,000 worth of supplies and send it to one specific village, and it got there within like a week. And so I was like, okay, I'm on to something here, all these smaller charity initiatives being able to directly impact a certain group of people. Um, so I started feeding the homeless here in Atlanta one day after church. I just grabbed some food from Popeye's and took it by a parking lot and in my heels and dressed out there by myself just started distributing chicken. And uh, it grew and grew. My friends started volunteering and coming on board. And eventually uh, we partnered with the Atlanta Mission. So now it's like we do a big Thanksgiving dinner called No Reservations Needed. Um, Teddy Riley has partnered with me for two years. Young Jeezy partnered with me last year and came and fed, and countless other people in the community. The radio stations, B103, is a big supporter. Um, so that's really amazing. Jovita Moore, who is an anchor on WSB-TV, reached out to me two years ago. She's a board member for the Genesis Shelter, and the Genesis Shelter caters to mothers who have been homeless but have newborn kids. So they bring in the moms, help them kind of get back on their feet and find housing and work for them. So what now we pamper them. So I do it twice a year. It's called a day of pampering, and we make the mothers feel special. So we do all that. I do a backpack drive. I do a Toys of Joy toy drive that uh, benefits one of the local hospitals here. 
um, oh, the United Way. I do my shoebox campaign. So, you know, I have a great time doing a lot of my charity work. And, you know, <clears throat> now I hope to do more work with the Alzheimer's Association. I have an initiative called Laugh Now, Cry Later um, because of my mom. And so I share short stories of me being a daughter living with a mother that has Alzheimer's. So my hopes and dreams and goals are to raise more money to fund uh, research for Alzheimer's. So that's, that's about it for now. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. And I saw pictures of the Thanksgiving dinner. It was no small feast. You had like a serious no. meal. We had, oh, and shout out to Walmart because for the second year, Walmart has partnered with us. Um, there's one particular store on MLK in the historic West Side Village. And what we did is we did a, a food drive with them that day. And then the day prior, we actually go and I have local chefs that come and and volunteer and we literally prep all the food. We season it, we cut it up, we prepare it so like it's it's made with love and lots of you know seasoning so it, it's great. <laughs> that is so cool. Thank you. Um, so the next book that she writes is the one two threes of networking and everyone knows I love networking so I was so excited about this book because it fits right into your purse. It's so tiny. And, it's just a pocket you know. guide. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. And it's, it, it, has, it hits all the points that I'm like, this is what you need to know. Thank you. So there are a few more coming in the series. Um, hopefully one's going to launch. I'm not going to give out the title or anything yet. I'm just going to probably put it out online first and then have the hard copies available. But that should hopefully, prayerfully come in February, no later than March. The okay. second installment of the one, two, threes of dot, dot, dot. <laughs> okay. Um, so when you um, started ATL Live in the Park six years ago, uh, like social media was just becoming this huge thing. So how has that impacted all the stuff that you do? Oh my gosh. Sometimes I find myself just having to put my phone down. <laughs> because you can get so pulled into social media, you know, yeah. you almost become obsessed with it. Uh, I'm not obsessed with selfies though. But I am obsessed with putting out positive information. If yeah. you look at my timelines and my posts, you know, very encouraging, inspirational, except when I'm on a sports uh, rant. <laughs> it's no secret. I'm a big sports fan. I'm going to be a sportscaster in my next life. Uh, but yeah, it's a big part of what I do. Uh, it's free marketing for everybody. You know, what I say to people is uh, you can't get around it. I mean, you look at a commercial, it's, it's you know, everybody's handle is within the commercials, you know, it, it's a, one of the best marketing tools I think we've ever seen. You just have to know how to use it right and be smart about it because what you post lives on forever even if you delete it. Yeah. So I say that to a lot of the students that I'm mentoring, you know, okay, you're in college and you're having fun, but unfortunately, <clears throat> you just can't put everything out there because potential employers look at that as well as your peers and, you know, you want to make sure what you're putting out there is representative of yourself, you know, of your company, of your business, um, and it's the right messaging, you know, that you're trying to have out there. Definitely. I, I do the same. Um, so uh, the question we have uh, that came up is, do you, did you find any difficulties with women in the workplace? I've heard women are afraid of competition. Thank you for that question, Don Day. Hello. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I did, uh, uh, and it's unfortunate, um, you know, I, I'm not the type of person that brings up names and talks about right. too specific of situations, but yeah, I dealt with a lot of that, and I just um, killed them with kindness. 
you know, I remain my authentic self. I didn't let it, uh, you know, get to me too much. Of course, I'm human, you know, so it will bother me a little bit. But I just brushed it off. You know, I was that girl in high school that like really didn't care about the gossip and what people said. So, you know, I was kind of the one that was minding my business. Same thing at work. You know, I was just getting my work done. Now, it does get tricky sometimes and you have to be, you know, you can't be naive. And I think a lot of times when people see you as being kind, they could take that as a sign of weakness. Make no mistake, I wasn't weak. I just, and I wasn't naive, but I would was always listening and notating stuff. So sometimes you have to play the politics. And you have to make sure you're copying the appropriate people and filing stuff away. And, you know, if you find that a situation is escalating with someone at work, you know, just make your own little folder. And if, you know, person X, you know, is threatening you or bullying you in any way or, you know, not being fair in the workplace, you know, you know, file that away in the folder in case it ever got to a point where you had to talk to HR or, you know, that, that way you covered yourself. You know, I say cover your ass. I, well, we're on the internet. I guess I could say that word. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you have to do it, unfortunately, um, because people, I don't know why women sometimes we are so jealous of one another. We'll smile in your face and say we're happy for you. And then as soon as you turn your back, you know, it's a different story. What I think is it's enough money out there for everybody. We can all eat. I agree. Um, now, I will say this much. When I was in the industry, it was a lot of more jobs in the entertainment business and probably in other industries as well. So, you know, with, um, you know, everything that we've gone through in terms of our economy and downsizing in, I think, a lot of different industries, it's probably a lot more cutthroat. And people who are in those jobs, they want to keep those jobs. So it's going to be even more hectic. You know, people will feel like, oh, you're trying to take my spot. You know, women not being open to sharing contacts. You'll get a lot of that. Um, but what I just say is, you know, try to just surround yourself with like-minded people. Not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to be happy for you. And not everybody's going to applaud what you do. But you've got to have thick skin and be secure in yourself and just not get caught up. And learn how Definitely. to just brush your shoulders off. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I, that just reminded me of something. Um, Last year, you got some production credits, you know, a part of this whole reset, you got, you were, I saw your name on TV, and I was so excited <laughs> to you. watch, I mean, first of all, I tell everybody, my friend Shanti Doss is the one that brought Outcast to the masses, so that's the way I introduced you to everyone, <laughs> and then, um, so then when I watched the Outcast special, which was phenomenal on VH1, I was like, wow, I didn't, there was so much information I didn't know, and I mean, I was well, in college was when Outcast Kendrick. came out. Centric, that's right, on Centric. And then they had the, the Outcast, the, what was the VH1 had another special about well, that was well. about ATL Hip Hop. ATL, yes. Mm -hmm. So I learned a lot on both shows that I didn't know. First of all, I didn't know all that stuff about ATL. But then the stuff that I learned about Outcast on that was just amazing, considering I do remember when they came out, because they came out like around my freshman or sophomore year in college. Mm -hmm. So how did you end up with the production credit, and are you going to produce more shows of, on other topics maybe? So uh, the opportunity presented itself. Um, I know an executive over in the Centric BET family, and we had been keeping in close contact. And he knew about my history with the group and asked me if I was interested in coming on board and helping them produce a TV special. As we all know, Outcasts just celebrated their 20-year anniversary in the business, and as a result, they were on tour. And they had a date that was in June for the BET experience, live experience that mm -hmm. happens um, in Los Angeles. And so 
they wanted to put together this TV special that would lead up to the actual show in Los Angeles. And of course I said yes. <laughs> and uh, it was great. And I got an opportunity to, you know, pull together people to be interviewed that were um, instrumental in helping outcasts along their career. And yet it was my first credit as a coordinating producer. And to your answer your question, yes, I actually plan to do more on the production side moving forward. So that's exciting. It's a new yeah. challenge for me. A little bit of a learning curve, but it's all entertainment. So I welcome exactly. the challenge. That's that's awesome. Thank you. And you just have to, I mean, it's crazy, but in this day and age, you have to have your hands in as much as you can. You cannot rely on one stream of income. You have to have several streams Especially of income. Especially if you're an entrepreneur. Exactly. I'll say exactly. this to all you budding and aspiring entrepreneurs. You have good months and you have bad months. And with the economy, it's not always as easy to save for a rainy day. So, you know, you've got to, like you said, Dr. Renee, put yourself in situations where you can have revenue coming in because if it's not coming in, you know, with this source this month, then maybe it can come in from somewhere else. And there might be some months that are dry months, but uh, it will pick back up. But you have to be resilient and you have to be persistent. Clothes, mouths don't get fed on this boulevard. Exactly. Quote, Ace Hood. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get out there and pound the pavement and make it yeah. happen. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, speaking of, you know, just different revenue streams, I've recently launched my own t-shirt line. Yeah. With this very cool website, teespring.com. And so I'm actually, I'm going to pan down. See my gold digger? This is uh, the first shirt. It says hashtag gold digger and it has my logo on the back. And so I'm really excited about it. I have another shirt um, that was launched with the successful campaign. It was I got 99 problems but self-esteem ain't one. And I also have a new shirt called Classy Girls Rock. So the Gold Digger shirt and the Classy Girls Rocks are available right now. And I think you posted the information. I did. And I'll put the information below this video um, in the box so you'll have it. But Empower Tees are what yep. they're called. Empower Me Tees. Empower Me Tees. I'm sorry. Yep. Empower Me Tees. So definitely everyone check those out. Um, I actually belong to a Facebook group called Gold Diggers. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, and let me say, I didn't come up with the term. Right. I'm in no way trying to claim that, but I thought it was a really cool term and that something that would make a nice fashion statement. So definitely, definitely. I'll pick up a shirt and be yes. inspired and empowered. Now, do you have a link? I didn't check on your site. Was there, is there a link to the shirts on the site as well? It will be. Okay, it will yeah. be. Okay, I'm actually okay. putting but you, it on the home page this week. Okay, so the website is thehiphopprofessional.com. And she's got all sorts of videos on there with testimonials from, I mean, Chuck D, uh, Dougie Fresh, all sorts of people talking about how great she is. Aww. And you know, and then Ludacris, I you know, I saw the trailer. I put the trailer actually for the for this oh, show. I put that trailer up. Um, and Ludacris talked about how you helped him get into the game. So, um, and actually, this leads into my next question. My friend Teresa Mask says, "I met you at Essence Fest in July when you were on the panel with Dr. Renee and others." and you appeared so down to earth, just like now, how do you remain so grounded amid so much success? What's her name, Teresa? Yeah. Hi, Teresa. <laughs> it was great meeting you. Um, God, simply put, um, I don't try to push my uh, Christianity, Christianity or religion on anyone, but I would encourage you, whoever you are or wherever you are in this life, um, to believe in something higher than yourself. 
God is the only thing that's gotten me through my transition. And um, he's taught me that um, my value is not based on how much money I have or how many things I have. And I used to kind of think that, you know, working in the entertainment business, you're around all these beautiful people and taking extravagant trips and, you know, you felt like you had to keep up with the Joneses. And, you know, I fell victim to that a little bit. I'll admit it. But now just going through this transition and, and, and not having, you know, as much in my cup as I thought I needed to live sometimes, you know, it, it's been challenging starting my own business. But there's a payoff. The payoff is that it brought me closer to God. It allowed me to be with my family more. And, and God has just been with me every step of the way. And I don't take any of that for granted. You know, the fact that I'm sitting here with you, uh, you know, I'm honored to be on your show, and I hope you get that TV show that you've been dreaming about one day. Thank you. you know, I feel like we have to help one another. And, you know, life, you know, we trip on silly stuff, you know. And I have these, um, I'm going to share it with you. <clears throat> it's called Each Day. And someone gave it to me, and I wish I could remember who gave it to me, but I can't. But it's like this daily affirmation that I say to myself, and it just talks about, you know, being, you know, treating people with respect, being good, you know, uh, being respectful of others, um, not taking things for granted, you know, learning how to have patience in life. And, you know, it's so many things that we take for granted in the entertainment business um, and just people that kind of live in that, you know, fast paced lifestyle and culture. And you just got to realize it could all be gone tomorrow, you know, and Having had a father that committed suicide, my best friend committed suicide earlier this year. It's just been a lot of humbling experiences in my life. I suffer from depression. I'm not embarrassed to talk about it. It's something that runs in my family. And I just try to live my life every day to the best of my ability to be the best person that I can be. It's more about being a good person to me than being successful. Because for me, I'm trying to live for the dash. That dash when you leave this earth and they talk about what you did and how you lived. Um, and, and I just have to say rest in peace to Stuart Scott. I met Stuart yeah. once, but I didn't know him. Um, but I admired him and looked up to him. He was the first sports commentator, as we all know, that bridged, the, that married rather hip hop and sports updates. And so he was someone that, you know, I would turn on Sports Center just to see what cool phrase or term that he would say with me being, you know, this hip-hop chick. And so he was someone that fought his battle with cancer so graciously, treated others with kindness and respect. And, and that's really what it's about. So, Teresa, to answer your question, I'm just a regular country girl from the A who had some great opportunities, but those opportunities, they don't make me any better than anybody than the next man walking down the street, you know, so I try to be kind to strangers because that's what God wants us to do. And that's and, one and of the reasons I'm fortunate because, yeah. you know, we could all be a paycheck away from being on the yeah. street. You know what I mean? Exactly. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. But that's one of the reasons why I did the show too is because I think people don't understand that we're just regular people and, you know, if you work hard, you can, you can do all these great things and fly all these wonderful places and meet all these interesting people, but... At the end of the day, they are just people. Absolutely. Um, you know, just like you and me. And unfortunately, I did an article recently for um, Madame Noir, and I talked about, you know, how three young black 
women killed themselves last year and they were quote unquote successful. You know, one had started this huge um, for blackgirlsonly.com that was this oh, huge wow. um, website that had all these, you know, girls and, you know, that followed her and everything. And her mother had died and she just never could quite. Mm get a hold of things again and so she killed herself and these people weren't I don't think any of them were 30 years no I'm sorry the two were under 30 so the other girl was um, she was in this group called girl GRL yep. and I They're guess they were on X Factor yeah mm -hmm. and actually I had just saw them on Good Morning America and then beautiful she was young lady exactly and they said it was financial problems I'm like but you just had this hit song you were about to be okay so you know I think that I, then the other thing I like to just grind into all the kids that I mentor as well is that you just have to realize that these are temporary situations and you can easily make one decision that will change it all and things can be totally different next week. And I have to give myself that own advice, you know, just yeah. from suffering from depression. You know, I have those moments and, you know, like, God, did I make the right decision? And it is truly only by his grace and mercy that I'm still sitting here. And when I say that with all my heart, um, God allows me to wake up every day and keep going. And knowing that I can affect someone else positively, you know, with his help, then that's what keeps me going. Yes, I totally agree. I also, I wrote an article about depression, on my own depression, on Black and Married with Kids and how my mother is the one that had recognized it when I was in high school. And, um, and I, I'm just like you. Every day, I, you know, I think I meditate every morning. I, you know, I have some, an affirmation I say every time I walk out the door because it's taped mm -hmm. to my door. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's different things I do as well just to keep, you know, and I mean, everyone's always called me positive, Polly. And yes, I do keep a positive attitude because I do feel like when I was in the throes, deepest throes of depression, because I just stayed that way and that's why it just kept coming on me. Mm -hmm. But if I can always find something positive in what's going on, then I usually can, you know, turn things around and I won't be, you know, so but sad. you have such a great spirit from the first day that I met you. you. That's one thing that I admire about you. Um, you were just always so very kind to me. And Thank I appreciate you. that. And I appreciate you. I will not forget, Lab. two years ago I was in Atlanta and I completely forgot to even tell you I was coming. <laughs> and I walked into this event and you were there and you're like, you're here. I was like, yeah, I'm so sorry. I didn't even <laughs> tell anyone I was coming. And so I told you what was going on and you were like, Oh, well, if there's anything I can do, you just let me know. And I was just like, oh, my God, did she just say that to me? Like, really? She would do something for me? Really? So I was so excited. So I was like, oh, my God, you know. And um, and so, you know, I just, I appreciate your friendship and, you know, just talking to me about everything, you know. I mean, we don't see each other often, but, you know, she's a text away, an email away, a call away. And it's, you know, it's greatly appreciated. And I know your mentor and your mentees feel the same way. Oh, thank uh -huh. you. We have another question from Don Day. Who did you look up to in the business and who inspired you? Hi, Don. Let's see. Who did I look up to in the business? Um, hmm. I looked up to LA and Babyface. You know, they inspired me a lot. Um, they were just so supportive as bosses. And more than anything, when you work for someone, you want to feel like they empower you to do your jobs. You know, some bosses micromanage the heck out of you and don't don't get me wrong LA was very hands-on but he still empowered us and allowed us to do our jobs I also used to look up to Suzanne to pass when I was younger because um, obviously all that she did for Motown and Sylvia Rome you know paved the way for a lot of women in the entertainment industry so I looked up to her and uh, but you know uh, 
and then Sherry Riley, who's a dear friend of, of ours. Um, yeah. She is exponential living now. She's someone that I looked up to and didn't really know the type of impact that she would have on my life, um, the type of impact she had early on and that would still be here in my life in an even larger capacity now because she's like my spiritual and, and life coach. So those were some of the people I looked up to. That, and it's very important. I try to try to tell um, everyone that's coming up in any industry. It's so important that you have some sort of mentor, even if it's not someone you can call, but it's Girl. somebody you can you can Google and you can keep yeah. up with what they're doing, and you can try and figure out. Okay, because we didn't have Google, you and I, right. we just had to just kind of figure it out. But <laughs> you know, it. if you can Google and figure out what it is they did to get where they're at, you can do the same thing and figure out. You know, how do you get there? And, you know, it's just so important to figure out exactly, you know, what is your passion? What is your purpose? What is your passion? And it's so important go with that. for the mentor to have a mentor. Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause>, you know, <laughs> we all right. need help and guidance. Yeah, and, you know, somebody asked me one day, and I was like, yeah, I have mentors. Definitely. Absolutely. Definitely. And Not as I, you many know, as I would have hoped that I would still have. But now right. I just have new people in my life, you know, mm -hmm. inspiring my development. And so it's a good thing. Yeah. And it's, I mean, and it's, you know, I find mentors and like people are like, well, what do you even have in common with that person? But you don't, you know, you just don't know. Everyone has served some sort of purpose. Like, you know, I can help them with this and they might be able to help me, you know, down the line negotiate some contract because, you know, we're in two totally different fields, but they understand exactly. the negotiation game or something. Exactly. So it's just, exactly. it's really important. Um, is there any other questions? Um, please send them over. We have 15 minutes left. So if you have any other questions, please send them. Um, so what would your words, like, what, I mean, I know you mentor and you talk to a lot of colleges across the country. Um, what do you tell the young, like, what would you tell a marketing student in college or maybe a college graduate that's not in the actual field yet, but they graduated with a marketing degree and they just can't seem to get their footing? Well, you know, I did not graduate with a right. marketing degree per se, but it's all, you know, intertwined and connected. Right. I actually, if I was to go back and, and kind of retrace my steps, I wish I would have taken some formal courses in marketing. I had to teach myself a lot. So for anyone that has graduated in marketing or that's majoring right now in marketing, even if you want to work in entertainment or not, I would say make sure that you start networking. Uh, I, I hate to go back to that, but it's so important. You know, marketing uh, professionals are needed in so many different industries. You know, make sure you master social media. You know, make sure you understand the landscape of the industry. Uh, make sure that you can start networking even with some of the agencies. Because if you want to do marketing for brands, one thing you have to understand is most of these big corporations, they all have agencies that, that do like their marketing, you know, sometimes their PR as well as their advertising. And so if you can maybe get an internship, you know, with an agency, you know, there's several uh, African-American agencies out there, Global Hue, Uniworld, and, and just a ton of other mainstream agencies, you know, try to get or land that internship while you're in college, you know, to get that experience. Even if you can't get your foot in the door at a particular brand, try to get your foot in the door. Um, so interning and networking, you know, is really, really key. And they're also, because we, you know, everything is digital and online now, 
uh, I I try to um, let's see I'm trying to think of some of the ones that I subscribe to like a lot of like weekly uh, newsletters and and journals and, and following people like the Harvard Business Review you know on Twitter you know it's a lot of different corporations and, and, and companies um, on the business side that you can follow just so you can kind of keep up with the trends and know what's going on so use social media to your benefit and, and start following a lot of those companies and, and, and business schools and that sort of thing and, and consider getting your MBA I wish I would have gone back to school uh, and I still could do it uh, and I may you know one day go back and get you know my master's of business because everything is a business first you know I don't care if you want to be a marketer or you want yeah you just you got to lawyer you got to yeah. understand that it's a business first even look at someone like yourself Dr. Renee um, there's so much that you want to do from a marketing and branding perspective with your business so if you understand just the basic concepts of business you know it'll take you that much farther so you know consider going back to school and getting your your masters that's great advice definitely great advice um, <clears throat> excuse me um, so where how can we support you like you know rattle off the you know everything that we can do to support you all the people that are watching the people that will watch it on YouTube how can we support Shanti Das? Well, let me just say, first of all, I just ended um, submissions for my first scholarship. It's the Passion Drives My Purpose scholarship, and I wanted, you know, I wanted to know from students, you know, what they were passionate about and and how it re really related to what their purpose was in life, and how it drove that purpose. And uh, I will be picking my winner by January fifteenth. Submissions are actually closed now. But my goal this year is to continue to um, raise more funds and give away scholarships. So at some point later this year, there will be um, a charitable side to either Press Reset or the Hip Hop Professional. I'm trying to work on that now. And I'm going to get my 501c3 and then be able to do more um, and give out more money. So, you know, definitely look out for that. I'll be making some announcements later this year. But for now, you can support my t-shirt campaign through Teespring because a portion of that goes towards my scholarship as well. I am um, going to be starting my mentoring chats with college students. If you are a college student and you may be a part of SGA, you can book me at your school. And uh, I will be forever grateful because I'm still on my college speaking tour, which is the college chat room. I am, gosh, what else am I doing? I'm starting back ATL Live in April, like we mentioned. Uh, looking for, kind of looking for some more music projects to work. So if you have anything that's really interesting um, on the music front, you know, send it my way. Uh, who knows? You know, maybe I'll start my um, own online digital distribution side. We've been talking about it, maybe doing something for ATL Live and distributing uh, new artists and material and releasing some EPs. So I'm kind of getting my feet wet again a little bit on the music side. And then you can follow, <clears throat> pardon me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ShantiDas404. That's S-H-A-N-T-I-D-A-S 404. And on Facebook it's slash the hip hop professional. And I'm about to relaunch and um, put out a new website for Press Reset. So the PressResetENT.com website is under construction right now, but it'll be a soft launch later this week. I'm super excited. I'm also going to start consulting 
you know, just like an attorney, you know how attorneys have hourly fees, you know, I'm going to start doing hourly um, consultations via phone or internet for aspiring artists. So you can look out for that. That'll be a part of the new website and uh, hopefully I can, you know, help guide you in the right direction. And, you know, it's just such an interesting landscape now on the music side. Artists just aren't selling as many records as they used to. It's no secret, uh, unless you're Taylor Swift. <laughs> but, you know, it's just not about the money anymore. I was just having this conversation with a well-known rapper the other day, and he was just saying how he gets it now. You know, he fought it for a while, but understand understands that right now for artists, it's about everything you do around the hit record and the income that you can generate. You know, whether it's uh, merchandise, touring, uh, licensing your music, um, you know, brand collaborations. It really is, you know, about seeing what you can do with your project outside of record sales because the record royalties just aren't there for entertainers like it used to be. Um, we just and we have a question that actually falls right into that. Is the music industry dying? Many jobs are being cut, and where, who do you feel has the creative control? No, I don't think the industry is dying. There is a huge shift in it, though. It's not going to be the music industry that we once knew uh, with all of, like I was mentioning, you know, the ways that we used to make money. Um, I think the people that will control it are the ones that really grab technology by its head and, and, and goes far. I mean, when you look at, like, you know, iTunes and what they've been able to do with Beats, um, I think Jimmy Iovine is an absolute uh, genius. Mm -hmm. What he was able to do in cultivating that relationship with Apple years ago when he was at Interscope and working closely with Jobs and those guys and kind of being there to support the change and what was going on. So, you know, that's one thing that I plan on doing this year is um, continuing to expand my level of expertise on the tech side and really trying to understand what it means um, to really be in the tech space and how that affects the music side. As we all know, you can look at your kids, this little device right here, your cell phone, it's where it's at. It's all about mobile, living in the app space, you know, living, you know, through mobile. So if you can figure out a way to continue to get to your fans, um, you know, get an app created for yourself, uh, stay close to the technology companies, you're going to also probably see more like management companies that are kind of full, you know, they have a lot within their own company. Um, you know, they might have marketing departments, social media departments, you know, a tech department. Uh, I think you'll see more larger companies merging, like management with a tech company and that sort of thing, as opposed to like more record companies growing. I think it's all going to be technology based. Um, but people with music experience is still going to be needed. You just have to be smart about it and go out and find those jobs. So keep your eyes and ears open to what's going on in Silicon Valley and and what happens on the tech side and, and kind of stay at the forefront of that. And if you're in a smaller town and you don't really have the access to meet a lot of people, again, you know, technology can be developed anywhere. So um, get on it. Mm -hmm. And you can, through social media, you can meet anybody in the world. Yep. I have, I, I mean, I've met 
so many people through Twitter and then we ended up meeting in person later and now we're good friends and you know see each other more often but it's just amazing how the walls come down through social media. And the last thing I'll say quickly about the entertainment industry and that question as you can see all of these subscription based services you know are kinda I think gonna continue on uh, whether it's um, you know iTunes with the iTunes radio mm -hmm. uh, Pandora, Spotify, you know, all of those type of subscription-based services are only going to continue, and it's not a ton of money for the artists. I, I think I saw an article where it was um, Pharrell's song "Happy." I oh yeah, I saw that. Played about what forty-three million times on one of those. Yeah, like two thousand dollars for it. It was something crazy like that. And they went. If I read the full article, they probably said it was more like twenty-five thousand dollars. But that's still, when you compare it, it's like what? Like apples and oranges. So it, it's crazy. But that just goes to show you that for whatever reasons, fans aren't buying the music anymore. You know, they want to be able to stream it. That's why you have to be able to tour. So if you really want to sing, you know, and you put out a record on the internet and it blows up, well, guess what? You're not going to make that much money from that. You want to be able to hit the road. So practice your craft. You know, go back to the old school days of making sure that your show is tight. Uh, when you look at artists like Wiz Khalifa, you know, who toured and sold merchandise, you know, he was able to make great money from that, you know, selling t-shirts and touring and staying on the road. So you got to be about your business and you have to understand where the money is and understand, like I said, the technology side of it. So you really have a grasp of where it's headed. Um, we have another question from Shanika Lewis. Now, it seems that hip hop artists are expected to have a brand already built before a major deal. So is it even a wise decision for artists with a strong following to even sign with a major? And what are the benefits? Um, it's still, I would say, beneficial for some artists to sign with a major. You know, artists don't, well, let me just say this. Major record companies, their budgets are s smaller than they used to be, even their signing budgets. Um, you know, sometimes you see these artists getting signed and, and there's no real signing bonus there like it used to be or the recording fund you know is is a third of what it used to be and you gotta get everything mixed and mastered all within that one recording fund but on the flip side of that you know their labels still do have some disposable income and so if you're hot enough and you get signed by a label and you're a priority well guess what they're gonna push you to the masses and so it's a lot easier for you to get your music out there if you're signed by a label even if you have a buzz now I will say most of my friends that I know that still do A&R you know they're not interested in new artists unless they do have a buzz because the internet allows you to directly um, you know have relationships with your fans they want to know before they invest this money in you you know that people are already out there liking you or into your music you know every blue moon somebody might come across an artist that doesn't have a big fan base on social media but just off pure raw talent they'll get signed but those kinda are few and far between labels really now want to know that you can get out there and build your fan base and you know tour and that sort of thing because it's no secret most of the labels want to do 360 deals now and for those of you that don't know what a 360 deal is basically it's like a pie <laughs> and they want every slice, a, a cut rather of every slice of the pie so you know it's some people want 
you know, the opportunity to kind of blow up and go from zero to 60 a lot quicker with having somebody on board to support them. Other indie artists like to grind and kind of do it their way. So it, it's really all in what you want. What I will say is don't sit around and wait on a label, though. You have too many avenues to sell your music, to expose it, to get it out there. You know, clubs still sell records in Atlanta. I don't care what you do. Greg Street's typically not going to play a record on View on a 3 unless it's popping in the clubs. So you still can go out there and do club promotions and get yourself popping as a hip-hop artist, you know, in your own hometowns. You know, labels want to know that your hometown is there and supporting you. So it's still a lot of work that you have to do on your own before you get signed by a major. Okay, and with that, we will finish. Um, thank you so much, Shanti. And like I said, I will put all of her information and my information below the video so you can reach us. And thank you, everyone, for watching. And see you next week. Next week, we have an artist. We have Cupid, as in the Cupid Shuffle, and now he has the new Cuba Aerobics. So oh, um, I need that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Cupid's new CD comes out next week. So we're going to be talking to Cupid next Sunday. So thank you, everyone. Good night. Thank you, Renee. Thank you.